Today on Event or Else, the Beyonder does a 180 and decides to end all of human existence, which, you know, might be an overreaction. Here it is, folks. Drop the gun and join the fun. It's time for Event or Else, the podcast where I go through most every major Marvel and DC event, one issue at a time, one episode at a time, because, well, I've never told anybody this before, but I'm rather fond of comic books. I'm your host. My name is Steven. And this week we take a look at the penultimate chapter in the epic crossover event that everyone loves to hate, Secret Wars 2. Today, we're looking at issue number eight, which sports a cover date of February 1986, but it actually hit the stands in November of 1985. It sold for 75 cents, and it is entitled Betrayal. It was written by Jim Shooter, pencils by Al Milgram, inks by Steve Lealoha, letters were by Joe Rosen, and the colors were by Christy Scheel. Our issue opens in a suburb of Denver, Colorado, at the home of Owen Reese and Marsha Rosenberg, also known as the Molecule Man and Volcana, respectively. The Beyonder is there, and he is super angry. Oh, it makes me Apparently, one or possibly a few of the heroes did something to throw off the Beyonder's good mood at some point in one of those tie-in issues between the last issue and this one, because the big B is chewing nails. I mean, he actually shouts out as waves of energy shoot out from him that he wants to destroy all of existence. You know how handy he is in throwing those thunderbolts around when he gets angry? All the while. Those waves of energy lash out and destroy Owen and Marsh's apartment, along with a bit of Denver, as well as a satellite in orbit around the Earth. And oh yeah, the moon, which splits in half, just like it did in the opening of Thundar the Barbarian. Thundar the Barbarian! Also, if that wasn't enough, the energy appears to spread out and travel further into deep space, leading us as the reader to believe that the Beyonder causes destruction in every corner of the universe as he lashes out like my son used to do back when he was five and we wouldn't buy him a toy at the store. Owen, who has spent a lot of time in therapy, feels that he can help out his Beyond Bud, and as he tries to talk him down, Owen quietly uses his powers to fix everything in every corner of the universe that the Beyonder broke during his little tantrum. So yeah, if you weren't aware of just how powerful the Molecule Man is, you should be now. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Anyway, the Beyonder kicks back on Owen's couch and the two start talking. Well, the Beyonder is a firm believer in showing, not telling, and so he takes Owen on a trip through space and time in an effort to try and get to the root of the problem, you know, to find out what it is that's stuck in the Beyonder's craw. Like any good therapist, or at least the ones on TV, Owen has the Beyonder take them back to the beginning, to the Beyond realm, though the Beyonder can't quite remember what life was like back then before he became aware of Earth, its universe, and that little thing we call humanity. The Beyonder recreates the event that brought Earth's universe to his attention, a pinhole in the Beyond realm, possibly caused by some sort of cosmic event, 
that allowed the Beyonder to see into our multiverse. Owen, curious what the Beyonder saw, looks through the pinhole and is taken aback. It seems that this cosmic event, the cataclysmic coincidence that created the pinhole in the Beyond realm, was the atomic accident that gave Owen his powers and made him into Molecule Man. Does that mean that because the Beyonder was a formless void before the accident and then became sentient due to the accident that Owen, in essence, created the Beyonder? I, I don't know that. Owen has no answers. No more questions. The Beyonder then moves the two forward in time, viewing various moments from throughout the Secret Wars 2 event, such as the time the Beyonder took control of the Earth, finding neither joy nor satisfaction from it. He also shows Owen how he was rejected by the Dazzler, his one true love. But revisiting this particular memory only angers the Beyonder further. Looking at the events in which Doctor Strange set the Beyonder on the path of finding his purpose angers him even more, pointing out that it was all just a big bunch of bullshit, simply because the Beyonder, motivated from his encounter with the Sorcerer Supreme to think through what his purpose might be, struck upon the idea that maybe his purpose was to help others find their purpose. And yet, the incident with the Puma managed to prove how wrong he was. I told you he'd goof it up. See, he explains to Owen, taking them to the same moment in time, that he discovered that the Puma, an international assassin, was destined to kill him, the Beyonder. And so the Beyonder allows it to happen. And it seemed that the Puma would have succeeded. That was until Spider-Man intervened. Spidey managed to distract Puma just enough that when he finally did strike at the Beyonder, it was too late. The universe had opened a tiny window of time that would have allowed the Puma to destroy the Beyonder. But thanks to Spider-Man, the window closed and Puma missed his chance to fulfill his destiny and be what he was meant to be. The two then returned to Owen's apartment where Marsha is waiting full of concern. When Owen tells her that everything's fine, the Beyonder flips out. He's decided that existence is the reason he feels unfulfilled, the cause of his unhappiness. With existence comes desire, the desire to achieve and to acquire belongings and status, and just the general desire to belong. Well, if the Beyonder were to wipe out everything but himself, then his existence would go back to whatever it was before, you know, the event that opened up that pinhole that made the Beyonder aware. Owen points out that maybe the reason the Beyonder hasn't found fulfillment, hasn't found purpose, is because despite looking human, the Beyonder is still immortal. Maybe it's mortality that causes desire to become fulfillment as you appreciate what you have when you know that it's all fleeting. The Beyonder, still angry, gives all of existence 24 hours to try and convince him not to destroy it, and then he skates, leaving Owen and Marsha to try to figure out what to do. A split second later, the Beyonder appears in the lobby of a swanky hotel in San Francisco. He uses his powers to first control the people at the hotel to get him the best room in the house, and then later, at a four-star restaurant, to convince Julia, his waitress, to spend the night with him. Later, back at the hotel, after the Beyonder has, in essence, 
raped Julia, he has another quick fit of rage and causes an earthquake right there in San Francisco, letting it rumble for a bit before making it stop. Then, feeling melancholy, he asks Julia, quote, Why does life mean so much to humans? Why do mortals cling so desperately to their petty, wretched lives? End quote. When she tells him that it must be because life is short, that every moment is precious, the Beyonder flies into another rage. I have it! And let's slip the dogs of war. He is quite sick of everyone telling him that, in essence, he's never going to find happiness until he gives up his immortality. In full tantrum mode, he makes Julia super old before he comes to his senses and changes her back. Then, sensing that trouble is coming, he sends her away before floating up to the roof so as not to trash his room during the upcoming throwdown. He's not there for long when the X-Men attack. The Beyonder makes quick work of them because, again, he's the freaking Beyonder, but despite his rage, he lets them live. Figuring that they're all going to be dead tomorrow anyway, you know, when he wipes out all existence. So why bother? But then Rachel, feeling a bit big for her britches, uses the power of the phoenix to attack the Beyonder, who simply grabs her by the throat. And as he chokes the life from her, demands to know what the X-Men were thinking with this suicide mission. Rachel, fighting to breathe, tells him that he knows that San Francisco is under the protection of the X-Men. So when he attacked, you know, just a bit ago when he caused the earthquake, well, he didn't really give them much of a choice, did he? Realizing that Rachel is correct, the Beyonder lets her fall to the ground and teleports away to think this through. In the meantime, in between time, Owen and Marsha has been watching the whole thing using a viewing screen that Owen created. And Owen suddenly fears that the Beyonder might be on his way to them now, on his way to destroy him. So in order to protect both himself and his lady love, Owen creates a force field around Denver to keep the Beyonder out. The Beyonder, however, appears before the dome and laughs at the futility of Owen's little force field and shatters it with ease before teleporting out to the middle of a desert in the American Southwest, calling out to the Hulk when, of course, he is attacked by, you know, the Hulk. As the Hulk brutally pounds the Beyonder into the ground, the B-Boy realizes that the Hulk seems way more savage than the last time they met. He stops the Green Goliath's savage attack without breaking a sweat before taking a peek into his mind and is shocked to discover that Banner isn't there at all. Bruce and the Hulk at some point had been completely separated, leaving the Hulk as nothing more than an uncontrollable rage monster. The Beyonder lets the Hulk go so that he can do some more of that good thinking he likes to do. Meanwhile, back in Denver, Owen has begun pulling the free energy of the universe into himself, but he knows it's a futile gesture. He's never going to have enough power to defeat the Beyonder. Marsha asks him if he thinks that maybe the Beyonder might be jealous of Owen because Owen has Marsha, someone to love who loves him back. Owen, crying in frustration and fear, has no answers. It's a bullshit question. It's impossible to answer. In New York, the Beyonder pops in to talk to Peter Parker, who tells him he can't use his bathroom. Word. Secret Wars 2, y'all. Spider-Man teaches the Beyonder 
how to use the toilet. That's not a joke. It's in issue two. Look it up. I'm out. The B-Boy tells Parker that he's not there for the bathroom, but instead wants to know about humanity and how they have both a passion for life and fascination with death, which he finds curious. And so Peter tells him about the time when, as Spider-Man, he witnessed an attempted suicide. He was web-slinging past a building when a guy jumped, and when Spider-Man swung in close to try and catch him, the man reached out, wanting to be saved. In the end, Peter says, when confronted with the finality of death, the man, despite the reason he had for jumping, decided he wanted to live. Well, the Beyonder by this point is furious. I can feel your anger. Once more, he is told that human mortality is the one aspect of existence that gives it meaning. Peter wants to know why the one from Beyond is so angry. But Big B only storms out, telling Parker that he may have talked to Beyonder out of destroying all of existence. But at the same time, he's also managed to irritate the Beyonder, so he best not press his luck. Once outside, he is suddenly attacked by the New Mutants. Now more annoyed than ever, the Beyonder slaps them aside and walks away through the air. Yeah, I can fly. Back in Denver, as the 24-hour deadline draws ever closer, Owen is packing. Deciding that it's better to live and fight another day, he plans to take Marsha and flee, to run as far away from the Beyonder as they can. Marsha, however, tells Owen that it doesn't matter where they go, the Beyonder will find them. And eventually, Owen agrees to stay and fight. Then, with the 24 hours up, the Beyonder appears in Owen's apartment to tell him that he has made his decision. The Beyonder will not destroy existence. But before he can even say word one, Owen attacks, throwing so much at the Beyonder that he actually feels a bit of pain. Marsha presses Owen to hit him again, and so he does. It's all for nothing, however, as Big B remains standing. And now that Owen has, as the Beyonder puts it, shown his true colors, well, existence gotta go. Before he can pull the trigger, however, and snuff everything out, Marsha throws herself at the Beyonder's feet, begging him to spare her life. Kill Owen, she tells him, but she doesn't want to die, and she'll do anything, anything he wants, if only he will let her live. Owen, she continues, is a worm. He's worthless. He's a joke. He's nothing like the Beyonder. Please, she begs, take her, make her his. Just let her live. The Beyonder, disgusted by her behavior, knocks her to the ground and tells her to get away from him. She then runs from the apartment as Owen collapses in heartache, curling up into the fetal position on the floor, and the Beyonder gives him a kick before he too leaves, feeling a bit cheered up over the whole affair and deciding to take one more look around before eliminating existence. Meanwhile, outside, Marsha drives away, weeping. She regrets doing what she did. But she had to lie to the Beyonder, pretend that she was selfish and that Owen was weak and pathetic. She had no choice but to break the heart of her one true love in order to save the universe. Later, high above the Rocky Mountains, in an epilogue that takes place after New Mutants 37 and Amazing Spider-Man 274, the Beyonder rages once more, moments away again from erasing all of existence. 
when suddenly the Avengers arrive in their Quinjet to confront him. Captain America, being the man he is, tries to talk some sense into the Beyonder, who instead of listening, throws an energy tornado at the heroes. Cat manages to dodge to one side, but the tornado sweeps the others from the mountain. And so, as the issue ends, the Beyonder, seeing that Cap avoided being hit by his energy tornado, grows to giant size and grabs Cap up in a hand like a Ken doll, telling Cap that the star-spangled Avenger may be able to provide him with some final insight on the soon-to-be-extinct human species. And with our synopsis complete, it's time for the top three things to dwell on. The top three things to dwell on are three moments in the book that I feel need to be given just a bit more thought. They might be funny moments or stupid moments. They could even be moments of a high drama that make me feel a little something in my heart. Regardless, they are moments that I think are worth the time to revisit. Thing to dwell on number three, the Puma fails. Now, really, the main reason I want to talk about this moment in the issue is that simply... This is one scene that proves why you don't need to read the tie-in issues to get the entire story of this event, or at least the parts of the story that count. I mean, when this issue opens, we find ourselves with a very different Beyonder than the one we left at the end of the previous issue. When issue seven ended, the Beyonder, after spending the entire issue thinking, was optimistic and fairly content. He had found his purpose, and he was excited about just getting out there and doing his thing. And yet, as this issue opens, he's angry and bitter, and he's frustrated, and he's ready to end all of human existence. So, obviously, something happened in one of those tie-in issues to take him from the one state to the other. But if you didn't read the tie-ins, which, of course, I didn't, don't worry. They tell us right here in this issue what happened. The Beyonder, doing what he was sure was his purpose, showed Puma what he was meant to do, yet when the opportunity came to make it happen, dumb luck put an end to it, meaning that the Beyonder must have been way off base in regard to what his purpose was, and I guess that's why he's so angry as the issue here opened. Meaning that when we get to that point in the episode where I ask myself if the tie-in issues are necessary, I guess I can just skip that part because I just answered that question, right? Or did I? Thing to dwell on number two, the X-Men never give up. Okay, so throughout this series, the X-Men just continue to attack the Beyonder and he continues to swat them aside like they were nothing. And yet they just keep on trying. And you got to give it to them for that kind of dedication, right? It's either that or just shake your head and wonder why they are so stupid. Because as I keep saying on and on throughout these episodes, he's the freaking beyonder. He is God. Nothing can hurt him. And yet the X-Men, including little Wolverine with his cute little claws and his little unbreakable skeleton and his healing factor, think that they can do something against him. and. It just ain't happening. And frankly, I just wish they would kind of give up. But, you know, if they gave up, I guess that wouldn't make them heroes, would it? Thing to dwell on, number one, a child with the power of God, which 
is precisely what the Beyonder is. And it's only proven to be even more true when it comes to this issue because he is just a big, giant, angry ball of rage throughout this entire issue who keeps lashing out at everyone because he's just, he's frustrated. He just doesn't understand. And despite the fact that every single person he talks to tells him the same thing, all that does is it, it just makes him even more angry. He's got his answer. He knows what he has to do. He has to become mortal. He has to give up his immortality so that he can understand what it's like to have a fleeting existence in this giant, unending, ever-expanding universe. But because he was, at one point, an entire universe all in himself, he, he doesn't understand, and he's never gonna. And rather than open up his mind and his heart and listen to the people that are telling him what he needs to do, he just gets more and more angry, and he, in essence, wants to take his ball, and he wants to go home. Screw you guys. I'm going home. You know, he, he's like a kid playing basketball who can't get the ball through the hoop and eventually decides that if, if he's not going to score any points, then nobody is going to score any points. He's going to take his ball, and he's going to go home. Screw you guys. <laughs> and those were the top three things to dwell on. Which brings us to that point in the show where I wrap it all up and I tell you how I feel about the book in general. Well, what can I say? We have one issue left. And just when I thought that things couldn't be more chaotic and messy and fragmented, along comes issue number eight, which is just, I mean, we had issue seven, which is the Beyonder being thoughtful. He's just thinking throughout the entire thing. And then issue number eight, the Beyonder is just angry and he's knocking shit over and he's kicking people and he's, he's, he's just being a big baby. And for some reason, I'm quite enjoying it. The, the fact that he is this godlike being who is so petty and selfish, it just, I don't know, it, it, it cracks me up. I'm having so much fun with this series so far. As confusing as it is, as nothing as it is, does that make sense? You know, I keep saying that this event doesn't really mean anything, except now that we're here in issue number eight, it's finally starting to come together a bit. You know, we have what is, in essence, a God with the mind of a child who just wants to know what it means to be human, but is unwilling to take the steps necessary to learn what it is to be human. And because of that, he's going to destroy the entire, not just Earth, the entire universe. He's going to destroy all of existence so that he can go back to being one with the universe, so that he can go back to being just a universe to himself. And he doesn't have to worry about anything anymore. He doesn't have to wonder. He doesn't have to be curious. He's just, he's just tired of, of, of everything. He's just he, he just wants to go to sleep. He just wants to go to bed. He's an old man. He just wants to go to bed, but he can't. Well, I mean, he can. He just has to destroy all of existence first. And somehow, I guess the heroes have to try to stop him from doing that. Now, back to the question that I always ask and that I said earlier that I don't need to do this part, that I can skip over it. 
but I'm going to anyway. Do I need to read the tie-ins? And at one point during this issue, I was still uh, on that side of the fence that said, no, you don't need to read the tie-ins because they're telling you in the issue any important story points from those tie-ins that you need to know. And yet we get this epilogue at the end of the issue, which, you know, at one point he leaves Owen, who is heartbroken and is just a shell of a man on the floor. And at that point, the Beyonder's like, hey, things are starting to look up. I'm in a pretty good mood now. He walks away whistling Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder. He's just in a really good mood. And then bam. He's ready to destroy all of all of existence again. And it's because of something that happened in both a New Mutants issue and a Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, one of those issues. And they don't tell us in the epilogue what happened. And maybe they will in issue number nine. I don't know. If they don't, then I guess, yeah, we do need to at least read those tie-ins to understand what pissed him off again. And it was probably just something stupid, but... We don't know what that is at this point. So here we are, end of issue number eight, and I'm starting to wonder, maybe we do need to read the tie-ins. I don't know. I guess we'll, I'll make my final decision when I finish the series with issue number nine, which is what we're going to look at next time here on Event or Else. And what it says here at the end of issue number eight is next. In addition to the aforementioned New Mutants 37, wherein the Beyonder sets out to destroy the New Mutants, and Amazing Spider-Man 274, perhaps the web-slinger's greatest story ever, in which he's caught in a struggle of truly cosmic proportions, our tale continues in Avengers 256, in which the mighty Avengers go into all-out action against the Beyonder to save Captain America's life. And in X-Men number 203, the fate of the universe hangs in the balance as Phoenix battles the Beyonder. And Fantastic Four number 288 reveals at last how Doctor Doom was alive and present for the first Secret Wars. And also, what became of him? A must-buy issue. One month from now, in their time, not ours, in Secret Wars 2, number nine, our epic tale concludes in spectacular fashion. Be here for God in man, man in God. Yeah, I'm going to wrap it all up, folks, and hopefully we'll walk away from this series feeling content, feeling satisfied with no questions, and ready to move on to our next event. Until then, folks, my name is Steven. This is Event or Else. Be back here next time for issue number nine. And I guess there's nothing else to say except for... Wait for it. You wait for it. Bye. Event or Else is a Stephen or Else production. Find more great podcasts at stephenorelse.com. Questions and comments can be directed to eventorelse at gmail.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month over at the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash stephenrorr. And in return, I'm going to do my very best to get you and your fellow patrons episodes just like this one before anybody else. I also encourage you to rate the show wherever available and share this episode with a friend. All links will be in the show notes. There's your snort. Uh, that may go at the end of the sentence. It better. I'm your host. My name is Steven. And this week we... <clears throat>
I'm your host. My name is Steven. And in this, apparently one, I'm going to do all that over. Maybe the, maybe the beyonder. Go away.